Welcome to Smith Weekly Discussions, an occasional program for our members of Smith Weekly Research. Please note this program is a private discussion and everything contained herein is for entertainment and educational purposes only. With that, we hope you're in a comfortable position along with your favorite beverage to enjoy the discussion. We remind our audience to examine our show notes attached to each of our shows to better understand how our program functions. Before we get into our discussion today, we wanna to say thanks for questions coming from our audience of Smith Weekly, including Ryan S., Joe G., Cindy W., and Andy J. On the program today is a new guest, Mr. Miles Rideout has joined us. Miles is the Vice President of Exploration of Argentina Lithium and Energy, an Argentina-focused lithium exploration company with a number of projects within a lithium district, Salta and Catamarca provinces, Northern Argentina. The company is listed on the Toronto Venture Exchange under the symbol LIT, and also on the US OTC markets under the symbol PNXLF. Miles, welcome to the program. Thanks for coming on. Thank you very much for the invitation. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, Miles, first time on the program, and, and with that, we'd like to have you give us just an overview to our audience about your background. So take that away and just talk about your background in the junior natural resource sector. Thank you. I'm a Canadian geophysicist. I, I grew up in Canada and got my degree in geophysics in Canada. I worked in the Canadian bush for two years. For the last uh, 35 years, I focused on uh, exploration work in South America. So I've been an exploration geophysicist, uh, well, that was my main line for 23 years, uh, working in uh, Chile, Bolivia, Brazil, uh, Argentina, Peru, uh, mostly. And uh, I moved from, I was eight years in Chile. I moved to Argentina in 1997. So that's about 26 years ago. And I've been working on uh, lithium projects uh, well, between Chile and all, and mostly Argentina, uh, for about 20 years, uh, interspaced with other with other commodities. Uh, I, I've done a lot of work in in copper and gold exploration, and uh, for the last uh, let me see about eight or nine years, I've been almost exclusively on the on lithium projects. I mentioned I'm an exploration geophysicist. Um, you'll see that a lot of our um, exploration in the lithium fields uh, uses geophysics. It's a, it's a very handy way to, to uh, identify resources on the projects um, you know, before we drill. And so uh, if you look at our corporate presentations, you'll see that we, we put geophysics on the front, of, of the front end of everything we do. Give me just a little bit more here you spend a lot of time out of Canada and it sounds like you're pretty much in South America nearly full time. You know, how do you like Argentina? How do you like Chile? Talk about just kind of your enjoyment of those areas and then also just talk about how long you've been with the Grosso group as well. Sure. So I like uh, Latin America very much. I, I moved to Chile by choice. Um, I, I started working in Chile in, in 89 uh, in the Northern desert on copper projects. And I was there for about a month saying, this is a really nice place. Um, and I, I managed uh, my, my business so that I could live there indefinitely. Uh, well, I stayed in Northern Chile for eight years and uh, I was actually doing a, a project for Placer Dome in Southern Argentina back in 93. And I, getting my, my equipment through customs in Argentina, um, I spent a week in Mendoza and I said, well, Mendoza's even nicer. And, uh, so again, ma managing uh, my business, I, I was able to uh, 
move across uh, permanently to Mendoza. Uh, and I set up my, uh, the corporation where I was working at that time, I set up their, their office in, in, in Argentina, based in Mendoza. And people haven't been able to get me out of Argentina ever since. So uh, both, both these countries, both Chile and, and Argentina, are, are great places to live and to work. And there's lots of uh, opportunity for mining and exploration in these countries. So um, I've been working as a consultant initially for the Grosser Group since about 1997. Um, they, they have a long history in Argentina, uh, focused on precious metals projects and, and then subsequently on uranium and now on lithium. And so I was involved on, as a geophysicist on a number of their projects. One of the early projects I worked on was the Navidad Silver Project, which is a, a world-class discovery they, they, they found in South Central uh, Argentina around uh, 1998, 1999, that timeframe. And then I was uh, brought in as a consultant on some other projects more recently. And these were projects were copper projects in Chile. And, uh, the, the Grosso Group thought that I would be a good fit for their lithium company, and I think it's a good fit as well. They're an excellent group to work with. They have an excellent uh, some depth of experience, a really good base here in Argentina in particular. And uh, so I, I came on uh, with them full time uh, about two years ago, uh, focused on their lithium projects in the northwest part of Argentina. And things have been going uh, very well uh, since then. Thank you for that, Miles. So cover for us how you view the lithium market here and include why you think the price of lithium perhaps goes up here, goes down, stays where it is. Just talk about your understanding of the lithium market and why you know this piece of it should be important to the audience to understand, because obviously we're in the natural resource sector and commodities, as you know, and I know are quite cyclical. My background is copper and gold and silver primarily, and I'm a big fan of the resource sector. I'm a big fan of mining. I like mining investment. And what's different with lithium is we're starting a resource sector from a situation where it was almost nothing, uh, say, 15 years ago, very, very small. And it's growing into um, a very large resource sector. My, my perception of, of what mining looks like in general, mining investment um, is about one-tenth the size, or historically it's about one-tenth the size of, uh, of energy investment. Uh, energy exploration, petroleum, is a much bigger industry than mining. And, uh, and so, you know, me working my career on the mining side, you know, we're always sort of the, the, the poor cousin compared to the energy resource sector. And then you've got lithium, which is this new industry focused sort of uh, on the margins of the energy sector, but becoming more important every day. And so you go, well, you know, lithium could be a really important uh, commodity. The next thing is this commodity is starting from almost zero if you go back 15 or 20 years and it's booming. And I expect it to continue to boom. In fact, you'll see if our listeners drive around the place, they're likely to see, you know, windmill farms round and about or other forms of uh, renewable energy. And there's no storage. <laughs> and uh, when when people are saying, oh, the, the big uh, downside of the renewables is, you know, no on-grid storage, for example. Well, 
that's true. And that's why uh, you know, so, some countries need to keep uh, nuclear or hydro or coal or gas powered uh, plants, you know, for their base load capacity. They, they don't have storage for their renewables. Well, you know, lithium isn't, isn't a, a main uh, commodity uh, in the, in the on-grid storage yet. I have a feeling that might be down the road, but uh, of course, lithium is essential for our electric vehicles and our laptops and our cell phones. To give you an idea of, of what the lithium industry has done, say over the last 10 years, if we go back to 2013, the entire lithium industry had a value about the equivalent of one uh, world-class copper deposit. So, uh, so I, I'd be talking one of the giant porphyry copper deposits that uh, you'd see. So that was about the value of the market 10 years ago. In that time, the actual production of lithium has increased, let me see, four times. And the value of the industry has increased about 40 times, uh, looking at a price going up about uh, you know, 10 times in that period. So the value of our industry over 10 years has, has gone from about one uh, giant copper deposit to about 40 giant copper deposits. So if you look at the, the wealth created, it's like we found uh, you know, 39 uh, world-class copper deposits in the last 10 years in our industry. Well, first of all, I'll just say that's that's huge growth. Then the, the next thing is this trend is likely to continue. If you look at legislation in the, the Western world, uh, primarily, uh, we're legislating for uh, EV sales, mandatory EV sales by about 2035 in, in parts of Europe and, and parts of North America. So I, I think that even though we've seen this tremendous growth over the last 10 years, we haven't even hit the steep part of the curve. That's still ahead of us. What I see today is uh, the, the Western automotive manufacturers are scrambling now to get uh, lithium pipelines established. And when I've looked at, at what they require in terms of lithium production, it's vast. Um, you know, one company that uh, I was in contact with, the, what they anticipate consuming is the entire lithium production from uh, from South America, the equivalent of today's lithium production from South America. And that's one large automotive manufacturer. So you, you look at this and you go, well, we've seen tremendous growth in lithium and it's not going to stop uh, you know, us, the exploration side, we're doing what we can to bring lithium production uh, online as quickly as possible. And you know, um, it's it's a it's a you know it's a real job to get this done, and we're looking at automotive producers and they want to secure their lithium supply lines, and uh, so you say well you know this is going to be a big industry a lot of growth and I think that the lithium price is going to be pretty robust for a long time hopefully for decades. Appreciate you covering that off. It's an, in, certainly an interesting market. It's grown a lot as you mentioned. Just just a few things on that. Uh, what is your thoughts on, as you mentioned it, and it has a special place with us over here, but your thoughts on commercial nuclear power? Well, my own feeling is I, I don't see how we can not have nuclear. There are jurisdictions where, you know, there might be, uh, you know, green alternatives. So if you have, you know, hydroelectric, uh, like you might have in, in, large parts of Canada, sure, that works pretty well. Um, you've got wind power in places. 
wind power is not good because it's you know it's daytime and when the wind's blowing um solar as well it's you know it's uh, only daytime and best in the summer months um and so those are not good solutions for your your base load capacity on a grid nuclear is a perfect solution or near perfect solution um the other thing is nuclear might be ex on, on the expensive side to implement when you when you build your plant but once your plant is running and operational um the cost of nuclear fuel is very very low it's an extremely energy dense fuel and so you can run your nuclear plant you know once it's built and commissioned you run it at very low cost for 40 or 50 years and then you you decommission it or upgrade it or whatever you do um so i i think the nuclear is a really uh, obvious way for for many jurisdictions to go and i i have trouble with um for instance uh, what uh, europe has done what germany has done where they've taken plants offline prior to completing their lifetime uh, usage because uh, in this case then they've expended a lot of money to build the plants and when the plants are now running at low cost they take them offline and you just go, well, that's counterintuitive. I, I, I don't think that was a, a good way to go. Yeah, completely silly. And I let's not lump the policymakers and central planners. Let's not lump them in with the German people. I think there's a huge difference in sure. intelligence here. <laughs> a lot of these facilities now are getting relicensed. Uh, you'll see a lot of relicensing in the U.S. And the new facilities are going on for you know, 60, 80 years. Um, so it's very, very impressive, um, as you know. The energy density and quality is a, in a whole different level compared to yeah. all other forms of energy, as you know. Back to lithium here, just to stay on focus. Um, what is your thought? Because I know you've looked at this too. Certainly wind and solar, very wasteful, very wasteful, very large footprints. But with respect to lithium and battery technology, do you think lithium and the need for lithium stays very robust in the decades, many decades ahead? Or do you think technology you know, the composition of some of these batteries, as you know, there's other components. Um, do you think it changes? You know, what's your thought on the tech side and how quickly that might advance with respect to battery quality? I mean, batteries are improving leaps and bounds. Currently, you know, mostly what we're seeing is lithium technologies. But, uh, you know, my, my cell phone of today is, is much better than my cell phone of, say, five years ago in terms of battery durability. And so I expect that... Um, our batteries using lithium-based technologies are, are bound to continue to improve. And uh, I would expect that, you know, likely the, the cost for capacity is gonna come down as well. Uh, lithium's attractive because it's, you know, really it is not an expensive commodity. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a relatively easy commodity to produce. There is incentive to improve uh, battery performance and look at potentially other uh, battery types but right now, I think in terms of high capacity, lightweight batteries, you know, lithium is head and shoulders the best choice. Maybe in 10 or 20 years, we'd be saying, well, there's a, you know, there's a new type of battery on the market. It's coming, but we don't know what that's going to be yet. <laughs> yes. And of course, commercial viability is a whole different conversation, right? And it takes a long time for this, you know, for technologies to be well, sure. improved and replaced, right? Right. Uh, right now, what I see is people are are gearing up. Uh, so when I say people, uh, manufacturers, most of the automotive manufacturers are betting 
on lithium batteries. I think the one notable exception would be Toyota, which is, you know, I think the world's biggest automotive manufacturer, and, and they're going a different way, but everybody else is going, uh, you know, lithium battery storage. And I think it's a good, I mean, I think it's a great choice. The costs are good, uh, the durability is good, it's a commodity you can produce, uh, and the technology is well proven. So let's move into the company here. How about just a brief overview of Argentina Lithium and Energy Miles, and then we'll get into some specifics on the company. We are a Canadian-based company. You, you did a very good uh, summary at the beginning of this uh, show. Our main office is in Vancouver, Canada, and then we have an operational office here in Mendoza, and all of our projects are located in the northwest part of um, Argentina. What we're looking at here is uh, grind deposits in salt lakes. So you look at northwest Argentina, it's a high plain. It's about um, typically about 4,000 uh, meters, well, 3,000 or 4,000 meters elevation. And you'll have these closed basins where um, you know, water inflows from rivers and rain, occasional rain, uh, and it's uh, leaching lithium out of the local volcanic rocks and depositing it in the central parts of basins and evaporating it. And you get these concentrated brines then in these closed basins. That is our exploration objective. We are looking at those types of projects. What we anticipate doing is, as we discover resources, we'll take these projects into production by by drilling uh, extraction wells, and then you, you pump the brine to surface and you process it and you extract lithium, which uh, would typically be sold as a lithium carbonate or a lithium hydroxide. So when we have a finished mine, it doesn't look very much like a mine. What it looks like is a, a series of wells drilled on a salt lake, a processing plant located on that salt lake, relatively low energy consumption because we're you know we're pumping brines extracting the the components of the brines that we need uh in a local plant and then selling uh, our product like that so that's what we're doing uh in terms of our exploration uh and we mentioned the grosso group i'll just point out that grosso is a management group they're not the they're not directly a shareholder in the company although management people in the Grosso Group are key shareholders of uh, Argentina Lithium. And I'll just point out as well that uh, the Grosso Group manages two other companies. There's a, a, a precious and base metals company, Golden Arrow, and there is Blue Sky Uranium. All three of those companies are focused in Argentina, and uh, Golden Arrow is also looking at projects in Chile. What Grosso brings to our uh, Argentine Lithium Group is we're sharing first-class resources between three companies. So uh, whether we're looking at uh, GIS services, legal services, business and development, things like that, we have a, a really first-class team and Lithium Energy only needs to pay for about one-third of that team. So we're, we're able to uh, basically punch above our weight when it comes to um, uh, political action or technical issues or business development. Good to cover that off and give us a good idea and flavor for the overall structure and the umbrella. Just a little bit more on that capital structure here with the company specifically. Can you go ahead and give the audience just a quick overview here in terms of cash on hand, shares outstanding, and then of course uh, the ownership at the board management level and of course any other major shareholders you'd like to mention? We're publicly traded uh, on the venture exchange. We have 130 million shares outstanding. 
we've done a couple of financing. So we have warrants and also options out. Fully diluted, we're 213 million shares. Uh, a recent market cap is about $34 million. We did our last financing at the end of last year, and we raised approximately $10 million, which funds us through this year. So we've been drilling, uh, well, we were drilling last year, we've been drilling through the first half of this year, and I intend to keep drilling likely on two projects through the second half of this year, and we're funded for that, but um, we'll be uh, conducting a financing operation near the end of this year to make sure that we're funded through next year. Um, when we do that financing, we hope to be buoyed by uh, recent drill results on our second project, and we'll be talking about that, I imagine. And also, we hope to announce our initial sort of maiden resource on the Rincon project, where we've been drilling for a year. So we hope that that kind of news will support our share price, and we'll be able to do a, a favorable financing uh, to make sure that we're drilling all through next year. Uh, in terms of ownership. Um, we we all own like a, our management group we're stock owners in uh, Artemio lithium between friends and family and principals of the grosso group we have a large block of the company um, i'm not sure what the percentage might be but it's it's large it might be 40 percent something like that we have some large investor groups from the states these are groups that uh, there's two groups i won't name them but they're interested in the energy sector and they looked to Arjun and Lithium to get exposure on the uh, lithium exploration side. So they did their due diligence um, and have uh, participated in our most recent financing. And we'd look for them to continue to participate in future financings going forward. Excellent. I appreciate you covering off the cap structure here on that. And let's get into uh, just a little bit more at the higher level, the folks on your team, Miles, is there anybody there that you'd like to mention and highlight that are assisting you move this company forward? Sure, well, the, the main person would be Joe Grosso, who's um, he, he's uh, sort of the leader of our exploration group, uh, very well connected here in Argentina. He won Mining Man of the Year in Argentina, um, and he has a strong track record. So, um, you know, when, when we're entering into a business arrangement, we can point to the, um, you know, the, the track record that the Grosser Group has here, the deals they've done, the, uh, the mines they brought online. So there's two operating mines that, are, are, uh, that were discovered by the Grosser Group. And then there's two other uh, mines which are not yet in operation, but we have high hopes for. So that's uh, one. Uh, Nico Kakos is our uh, CEO. Uh, and he's based in um, in uh, Vancouver, and he's been with the Grosso Group since its inception. Um, you know, working on all their projects for approximately 30 years, and part and parcel of, of all the deals that have been done. So he, he's and he's an excellent support for us. Everything that we do down here, most of the team, um, the technical team, we're contracting people from the local provinces. There's a there's a great depth of experience in in drilling and lithium exploration up in the northwest of Argentina. So when we're looking for expertise, you know, we'll find it close to the projects. For um, independent experts, well, we'll pick, uh, we, we've picked experts who are familiar with this environment, uh, both uh, Chile and um, Argentinian uh, projects. 
And so we have hydrogeological consultants who are working on many different lithium projects in the same environment where we're operating. And we're also taking on a, a process engineer to look at how we're going to develop our projects. And he has, again, a great depth of experience in the, uh, the northwestern part of Argentina and in Chile. At this point, I'm going to deem you an expert as well, given your expertise and long time <laughs> in the area. There you go. Let's drill into the provinces here a bit and get down to the project level, and, and we'll come into uh, Rincon West as kind of the starter here, and then we'll get into a couple others. But the provinces in which you're working these projects, Salta and Catamarca, give the audience just a flavor for you know who else is there in terms of lithium mining operations and, of course, infrastructure in the area. You know, Just talk about some of your neighbors and what sure. is happening in the region. Um, so... Some of your listeners might have some experience with Argentina. And so I'll just talk a bit about Argentina's history and then I'll get on to your questions. So Argentina uh, opened up for mining exploration about 30 years ago. And so, you know, other countries like, as an example, Chile have a more than 100 years of, of intensive um, exploration history. And Argentina doesn't have that. Argentina has about 30 years of exploration history. So there's, it's a, a large country and there's a lot of potential and we see a lot of untapped potential. On the lithium side, the important lithium provinces are the three Northwestern provinces. So that would be Jujuy, Salta and Catamarca. Um, and those are all three pro-mining provinces. Something which is, I, I don't think it can be overstressed is if, if an investor is looking at jurisdictions that are favorable to lithium exploration development. What really sets Argentina apart is that lithium here is regulated the same way as any other mining commodity is. So uh, when we take a project into production, we're due to pay a 3% uh, royalty, a net smelt royalty to the local province. And we're, we're everything, you know, we're, we're taxed and, and organized the same way as a, a mining company would be. Uh, that contrasts with Chile and with Mexico and with Bolivia, where um, there are uh, lithium resources, but they're, they're considered strategic by the, the local uh, or the, the national government in each case. And so to get a, a project to go ahead, you, you, each country would be different, but it's all shades of, you know, you have to make some kind of a deal with the local government to get your project to go ahead. And so uh, Argentina is absolutely not like that. Um, the three northern provinces, northwestern provinces, have been very clear in stating that they're happy with how um, lithium is um, uh, regulated here. They do not intend to have any change and they intend to encourage foreign investment. And the reason, one of the reasons why they, they do this is it's an excellent way to develop the high plain area of, uh, of these provinces. The lowland areas or low-lying areas of these provinces have agriculture and they have uh, various kinds of industry and they, they have other ways of getting ahead. Once you get into the high plain area, there's not much you can do in terms of um, economic development for the region. So there's a, a little bit of tourism, tourism like adventure tourism, and um, and not much else. And then you've, and, and there's some mining, and then you've got lithium. And um, what happens with lithium is um, 
we employ a lot of local staff, we train them, and we'll employ them during the exploration stage, and then we employ them during the, uh, the manufacturing and extraction stage. Um, there's a lot of tasks where we can bring in uh, local employees, train them, and they become as good as anyone at getting these tasks done. And in fact, what we're doing right now with our drill technicians, there's, a, there's almost a competition for, uh, for drill technicians up in the area with, um, you know, companies like ours, um, you know, seeking out experienced drill technicians from the local communities and hiring them. They're a hot commodity. Anyway, so th this kind of method to develop the economic side of uh, the High Plains, I think that's one of the, the, the key reasons why these Northwestern provinces uh, back lithium uh, so heavily. Um, so we're operating then in Salta and Catamarca. Both those provinces have a long uh, mining history. And um, what we see is uh, particularly, well, between Salta and Catamarca, that's the, the historic district for lithium. There's a, there's a large uh, salt basin called Salar Lombre Morto, which has the historic uh, lithium production of, uh, of uh, Argentina. And um, they, they produce a lot of lithium. There was a, a recent merger between Oracobre and Livent, and their, their key production is in, in Slava Morto. But that merger has produced a $10 billion company. Uh, so there, you know, that was news about uh, two weeks ago. So, uh, you know, that was a, a massive merger, a massive step ahead for our industry. We also have Soki Mitch's involved. I don't think, I think Soki Mitch's, uh, th their project is in Kukui. So it's the, the northernmost of the three provinces I've spoken about. Albemarle has their main um, Argentine project in the province of Catamarca, immediately to the south of our Antifaya North project. So Albemarle is on the Antifaya Salar, and we have the northern reaches of that same basin. Uh, Rio Tinto Mining invested in uh, the Rincon project. This was just over a year ago. Rio Tinto purchased the project for uh, $825 million US dollars. And that made waves in our industry. And they are our neighbor immediately to the east of us. Uh, they have the Rincon project. We have the Rincon West project. So, um, so two of our neighbors are world-class producers. One is the second largest producer of lithium in the world, and the other is one of the world's leading uh, mining companies who is now getting into the lithium space. Yeah, that gives some good context on where you guys are located at. Let's talk specifically on Rincon West. You know, as you said, this is uh, bordering the Rio Tinto property there. And this is, seems to be, from what I can tell, this is the first focus for you guys. Talk about the current status of the project, Miles, and then the immediate plans to advance the work here. Right. So we acquired the, the initial block at Rincon West about 18 months ago. And uh, that predated the, the purchase of the Rincon project by Rio Tinto. Uh, we, we knew that the project was being shopped around but we were able to get our, our key property position uh, ahead of that big deal being done. Uh, that was an advantage for us. Uh, prices hadn't gone up since, uh, at that time. Uh, and since then, we've added on two more blocks. So there's the initial, um, the, the, the names for these blocks might be a bit confusing. The, the initial block is called Vionavenio 2. We've been drilling there for the last year. There's a, a, a somewhat smaller block to the east 
out over the salt flat called Rinconcita II. And, and we acquired that last year. And we acquired that doing a deal with the provincial mining company of Salta. And then uh, in the third quarter last year, we did a deal for a northern block just, just north of the Rio Tinto ground called Paso de Sico. So we've been drilling on, on the first block uh, for the last year. We have nine holes completed. Uh, we're currently paused on that project and we're working on our maiden uh, resource uh, estimate for that project. We're just completing uh, our permitting for the um, for the next block to come in. This is the one that extends out over the salt flat Rincon Cita II, and we expect that permit to be approved basically any day. Um, I, I was hoping to have that approval you know, by the end of this month. That doesn't look like it's going to happen, but. Hopefully, we'll be able to get our drills running there uh, during the month of June. And we have um, we have five uh, exploration holes scheduled for that property. Then we'll be doing a, a rotary well and a pump test. And uh, we expect to have a resource uh, for that second property um, in the latter part of next year. Uh, so what that means is we'll be drilling right through the end of this year on, on Rinconcita. And once uh, that project is drilled out, uh, we're going to move that same drill rig to the north, to the Paso de Sico property. And I've got approximately eight exploration holes drilled there. And just to reiterate, that's just on the north end of uh, the Rio Tinto block. So basically, there's two areas that we're, we're either drilling currently or will be drilling shortly. Uh, both those areas are adjacent to the uh, Rio Tinto project. And all these areas, what we're doing is it, it's not exactly greenfields exploration where we we're going out there and saying, you know, is there lithium under that flat? What we're doing is uh, we're going into areas which are on the same salt flat as the Rio Tinto resource, and we're confirming that we have the same quality of brines underneath our projects that Rio Tinto has. So um, we're in a sense, we're risk averse. What we like to do is uh, acquire projects where we think we have you know, strong mid-grade uh, brine values and a high certainty of, of finding brines on the projects. And then we go out and, and prove it. And that's what we've done so far. Um, so that's the Rincon West project. I, I think that uh, this is an excellent prospect for us. Um, we'll be focused on exploration for about the next uh, 18 months um to two years and uh, then we'll be upgrading our resource estimate and uh, we'll be working at how to get our project into production and right right now uh, you know all possibilities are on the table whether we would uh, partner with a technology company partner with a production company part with our our neighbor or potentially do uh, you know a go it alone approach all, all of these approaches are workable they all have their points in in favor and against and we'll just have to see what we want to do first before doing any other deal though is we want to find uh, the resource potential that we have and maximize return for our investors with our exploration work miles talk about in this area what you guys would see as a reasonable economic deposit size based on some of the neighbors some of the other deposits some of the stuff that's advanced in production what do you think is basically a deposit size and what you guys have is really economic that would attract 
there's not many of those, but some of the majors looking at the project and the deposit that you guys have potentially discovered. Sure. So our property size at, at Rincon West is 3,700 hectares. So that would be, uh, it, it, there's some different blocks, but if, if you pictured a, a property, which is about uh, roughly 10 kilometers uh, north-south and uh, maybe four kilometers east-west, that, that's about the, the size of, uh, of the, our blocks if you add them all up together. Now, we're focused on the west side of the basin. There's a company a little bit similar to us on the east side of the basin. They're an Australian group called Argosy Minerals. And they have a project which is a, approximately 3,000 hectares. Um, it has similar brines to us. Uh, uh, well, we, we don't have a resource yet. They do have a resource, um, but you know, mid-grade brines. Um, and uh, they have taken their project from uh, exploration stage through, uh, well, now in feasibility stage over the last four years on, on their project. So you imagine we have a, a similar solar, similar brine grades, and approximately similar surface area. We have a, a larger area, but perhaps not, uh, if you looked at our effective surface area, our effective surface area on, on brine deposits is likely similar to what uh, Argosy has, so about 3,000 hectares. So Argosy has a resource of 245,000 tons of lithium carbonate equivalent. Um, I, I can't uh, recall at this instant their average grade. Um, I, I think it's below 300 uh, uh, milligram per liter average that they have. Um, what's interesting is uh, what they've achieved over the last five years. So um, it's an Australian company with, a, you know, the way many Australian companies do, they have a very large uh, uh, number of shares outstanding. It, it's on the order of, of a billion shares outstanding. Um, and if you look at their share valuation, if you go back uh, five years, their company had a market capitalization of about uh, $6 million five years ago. By, uh, by defining their resource, producing a pre-feasibility study, uh, an initial pilot plant, and then taking their project through feasibility, now they're in, in phase one commercial um, development. Uh, they've taken their company from about a $6 million uh, market cap to about a $600 million market capitalization. I look at that and I go, well, that's that's very good performance. You've you've rewarded your your shareholders a um, hundred times over, <laughs> basically. Uh, um, and uh, so th that's the kind of legs I think uh, our Rincon project has. If if we can bring in a resource that would be similar to what Argosy has done, and return shareholder value, anything like what Argosy has done, uh, I, I think Argosy has has performed exceptionally well. Uh, uh, so we look at, at what they've done and we say, well, there's a there's a, an objective for us. Uh, produce a resource like that and then uh, try to produce um, uh, deals to return value to our shareholders, something like what Argosy has achieved. Very well. It's interesting you point out this other pure company and some of the potential that can certainly happen there. How about some of the other projects there, Miles? Uh, you guys have a few other properties that are not in that immediate area that we were talking. Rincon West is in the northwest part of, of our portfolio, and it's very close to the Chilean border. And so, uh, and just this is just putting things in, in spatial reference. So we have uh, 
the international highway running down to the Chile's Pacific coast. It runs across our project, for instance. Rincon West is in the far northwest part of, of Argentina. If we go about 130 kilometers to the south, there's the Antifaya Salar. Antifaya is a very long salar. It's, um, it's about 150 kilometers in length and about uh, seven to 10 kilometers in width. The central part of Antifaya is owned by Albemarle Corporation, the world's second largest lithium producer. And uh, <clears throat> Albemarle intends to take uh, their Antifaya project into production uh, in the near term, um, in the next few years. They were recently in conversations with the province of Catamarca on, on looking at all the steps that they need to do to, to get that project into production. Our project is immediately adjacent to Albemarle, and it extends for about 28 kilometers to the north on the same basin. Our project is undrilled. Uh, we're just completing permitting, and we'll be conducting about 110 line kilometers of an advanced geophysics technology. And then I, I hope to get, uh, well, hopefully as many as six drill holes completed there uh, this year. We'll see how that goes. It depends on how quickly we can complete our permitting process. It's the same, our salt flat is the same salt flat as, as Albemarle has. So what we intend to, to demonstrate is that we have similar brines to what Albemarle has on their resource. Their resource is very large. I just worked from memory, I think it's something like 11 million tons with a very high, uh, well, a moderately high grade. It's um, about 380 milligram per liter lithium, I think. So I, I would go, you know, that's a good, strong concentration of lithium. Uh, perhaps slightly better than we see typically up on Rincon. And uh, what we hope to achieve with our drilling is that we have similar brines on our Antifire project. A point that uh, would be relevant for our investors is our Antifire project is three times larger than our Rincon project. So once we get going on Antifire, I have a strong sense that it's going to become our flagship project because it's it's likely to be three times more important than what we're doing up at Rincon. So this is going to be big news. Once we get going on Antifaya, if we can return uh, uh, similar brine grades to, to what um, Albemarle has or to what we're finding in, in Rincon, this is going to be big news for our investors. Um, and that's what we're, we're about. I, I have a good feeling about the project. You know, when you're down on the, on the salt flat and you're looking north at our project, it's the same elevation, it's continuous, it's big. <laughs> and so um, I think that there's a high chance that we'll have a, a very good success on Antifaya North. Now, the, the other two projects, they're very large projects. They're much larger. Positos is, it's on the Positos Solar, which is a very large salt lake. It's about 60 kilometers north-south and about 20 kilometers east-west. And our property holdings there represent about 20% of that basin. And uh, Inkawasi, which is, um, and I'll just point out, um, so I, I spoke about Rincon and Antifaya. The Posito Solar is sort of intermediate between those two. It's, um, you, you, you can drive to all these projects easily in one day from the same starting point. And then our fourth project is the Inkawasi project, which is uh, a little bit further south and to the east. It's closer to our uh, Antifaya project. It's, it's the next basin over from where Albemarle is working, uh, next basin east. And Inkawasi is 25,000 hectares. So these are both very large projects on large salars. 
Oh, and at Inkawasi, we have 100% of the Salarts. We have the entire basin. The downside of these areas is neither area has a resource drilled out yet. All historic drilling on those two Salars, on Positos and on Inkawasi, all historic drilling returns lithium, but not the high grades or mid grades. So what, we, what we've seen is uh, lower grades on the order of uh, say 100 milligram per liter, uh, values perhaps up to uh, roughly 150 milligram per liter lithium. Right now, we're not working on our Inkawasi project. We, we have four historic uh, drill holes completed there that produced an average grade of 109 milligram per liter. Currently, we're focused on our, our main projects, Rincon and Antifaya. Once we have the exploration completed on those projects, we're going to be focused then on, on Positos and on uh, Inkawasi. And I'll just point out what's happening on Positos is uh, neighboring companies, uh, you know, other peers of ours, are drilling on properties adjacent to us, and they're working on resources there. So I think the potential for Positos and Inkawasi would be, you know, we have large projects, we could have large tonnage, but lower grade um, resources there in, in future years. Uh, I think it's advantageous for us to, to let our neighbors drill out Positos so that when we can take our exploration drills to Positos in about two or three years time, there'll be a lot more information available on Positos. Hopefully we'll be able to start drilling right in the, in the hot spots on the basin and, and not waste any time. So I, I think that taking a, a slower approach on Positos is advantageous to us in that regard. We don't have that advantage down on Inkawasi because we don't have any neighbors. We have the entire basin. Uh, so we'll be advancing Inkawasi with our own geophysics, uh, coming up with conceptual models, which, have the, which areas have the best potential. And when we can take our exploration drills down there, well, we'll, we'll do our job and see where the best grades are. But I think that these large tonnage, lower grade resources have interest for investors, potential interest for investors, if you go back to how I was describing the lithium industry um, over the last 10 years, I think that um, as, as the established basins get drilled out and put into production, there's going to be fewer and fewer places where one can go to develop new production. And, uh, and so I, and the next thing is there, there's uh, new technologies for extracting lithium from these lower grade deposits, which are coming online. Uh, it, the, the class of technology is called direct lithium extraction. So uh, we're closely watching one of the leading direct lithium extraction projects. It's uh, Lake Resources Catchy Project. Uh, and they've been in the news recently as they make uh, headway with their various technical hurdles. But I think that as direct lithium extraction comes, becomes a, a main technology for producing lithium, uh, these large tonnage, lower grade deposits are gonna become very valuable. So what we've done is we've taken these very large property positions sort of anticipating where the market is going. Uh, we think that in, in three years time, projects like this will not be available at any price or not at any kind of reasonable price, not at the price we can afford. So uh, we took the opportunity to anticipate the market, pick up these large sort of strategic properties, and we're looking for technical uh, advancement on direct lithium extraction and also for the, the market to increase its appetite for those large tonnage, lower grade types of deposits. I hope that's clear. Well, it is, and I appreciate that. And it looks like Positos and Inkawasi have uh, some real good potential for 
some leverage uh, here as this market develops out. Antofaya having also another good piece of potential exploration ground here where you guys can come up with multiple deposits. And it's all appears to be definitely a growing lithium production area as uh, this market continues to develop out. So let's look down the road a number of years here. You know, you mentioned this before, you know, obviously the company would would always be open to a potential buyout uh, as things get discovered and uh, you guys continue to delineate these deposits. But talk about, you know, your guys' internal capacity in terms of if you guys did bring up economic deposit somewhere and there wasn't an immediate buyer, would you guys look, given the nature of these projects, would you guys look to go ahead and move those forward and actually become a producer? Or is that something that you guys would not really prefer and would prefer to you know, sell this off? And just talk about that exit strategy a bit. Yeah. A go it alone approach is probably not our first choice. We view ourselves as more um, experts on the exploration side. So we're really focused on on, on doing our jobs on the exploration and the resource side well. <clears throat> I, I think that uh, it would be advantageous for us to partner with a production company or a technology company, someone who can bring a lot of know-how to the table so that we can get one of our projects, once we've completed our resource, <clears throat> uh, so that we can get the project into successful commercial scale production quickly. Um, and I, I think that would be, uh, we'd have a higher chance of success if we're doing that with experts in that field. Um, my own view is I, I think to participate in a production story is a, is, is a, a great approach. Um, the Grosser Group has historically done this with their other, with their precious metals discoveries. Um, but I, I think uh, it allows our investors to participate in, you know, uh, as new resources uh, are identified on the project, you know, your, our investors would participate in that increase in value. Um, so my own feeling is, I, I think it would be a shrewd on the part of uh, the Grosser Group and our company to, to maintain an interest on the production side. Because we have um, four different projects, and I, I would say two are really first-class projects that are, are I, I hope, likely to go into production. Uh, We've got the potential where we could say, well, we're going to partner on one of the projects, and on the other side, you know, we, we'll, um, you know, we could maintain the second project under our own umbrella and basically, you know, carbon copy what we've done on the first project onto the second project, and and do something like, um, like take the project ahead ourselves. So discussions like this are are undoubtedly in our future. Um, I, I, I love the case of uh, Argosy, where they're going, uh, they're taking a go it alone approach. They show that it can be done using conventional technologies. Um, our our neighbor on the in the Inkawasi area, our neighbor to the southeast, is uh, Lake Resources Catchy Project, which I, I mentioned previously. It's in a, it's the next basin over, and uh, they, they're demonstrating that what you can do by partnering with a technology company, and you can a, a, apply them advanced technologies to your project and get things moving very quickly. There's arguments for both approaches. Um, I also will just point out there's a <clears throat> there's a huge amount of interest securing lithium supply from for a start automotive manufacturers but battery manufacturers as well. And so I think that uh, whether we're talking about our company or companies in our peer group, I think that we're going to be seeing a, a sequence of deals being completed over the next two, three, four years because there's so much interest from uh, 
companies that demand lithium and they're all trying to tie up supply. And so I, I think that this is, if, if we're looking, you know, what the market mood is for the next two, three, four years, it'll be uh, manufacturers making these deals to ensure that they have a uh, lithium supply going forward. With respect to, you know, the, the Grosso Group, as you mentioned, definitely, you know, we've seen success with major discoveries in the area or in Argentina, you know, specifically Chinchilla's uh, SSR and, of course, uh, Navidad now owned by Pan American. With that, definitely you guys have that capability to be able to take a few different approaches there, and you guys certainly have that network. And and so I appreciate those comments and on how this might go in the future here as you guys bring deposits and, and get them to an economic status. With that also, I know you just touched on it just a little bit before, but just want to give you another opportunity again before we wrap up. On the community efforts and sustainability front, uh, any comments that you have there with respect to what you guys are doing to, obviously you guys are sourcing some local service providers, new training for local new hires. Just talk about some of your work on the community effort side. Communities for us are quite central to, to our work. One reason is because we've chosen projects which are close to infrastructure and local communities. So, um, you know, currently we're, we're, we're drilling out our Rincon West project and we have our, our geological crew uh, based in the, the nearby uh, village of uh, Olocapato. And it's, it's about an hour's drive, just a little bit more than an hour's drive from where we're drilling. Um, so we're, and, and we'll be doing similar things with, um, with our other projects. Uh, where possible, we'll be basing our work crews in the local towns and hiring local personnel. Typically, um, when we're looking at Salta and uh, Catamarca, the provinces expect us to hire uh, local personnel. Uh, their target is that approximately 70%, 70% of, of our staffing should be hired locally. And I, I think that's, generally speaking, that's doable. What we're able to offer uh, these communities are these um, you know, well-paid and long-term technical jobs. Right now, you know, we're, we're just basically doing drilling and geophysics and, and we're hiring lots of local young men for, for that kind of work. But as we move forward to production stage, uh, assuming we get to production stage, there would be administrative people, uh, managers, supervisors, uh, positions that might be less physical than what we're doing right now uh, with our drilling and geophysics. But these are jobs where you can, you know, you'll have a career. You you get trained on the on the technical side of the work or the uh, administrative side of the work, and your project's going to be in production for 30 years. So, you know, a, a local living in Olacapato or in Antofaya can can uh, can look forward to a, a career with us or with somebody in our peer group, or you know, jumping from company to company looking for advancement, for instance. Um, I think. Uh, a career in lithium is a great way to go for residents of the High Plains. And of course, we meet with the community leaders. We provide reports on our activities. And uh, when we're doing permitting, the community leaders get copies of our permitting. Usually they'll have, have a present presentation by our technical staff and our community relations staff showing how we intend to implement the project or the next phase of the project. And we entertain uh, questions from the communities and concerns when they have concerns about whether it's the environmental side or if there's any negative impact for their village, we get to talk through all of this with the local community in, a, in an open forum. The other thing, Miles, is as a small exploration company, there's only so much you can do. I mean, you can do a lot, but as you grow, 
and the company gets larger, obviously that provides more of a platform and runway, if you will, to do more efforts on the community front, whether it's projects and further education and development projects and so forth. I appreciate you covering that off. And obviously you guys have a long-term track record in the country uh, doing a lot of this work. So it's always good to hear about those things. And it certainly is important. And, and that obviously with the larger picture, as you and I discussed at the beginning, mining projects are so important to way of life now. And community economic activity is very important as well. And especially in these remote areas, because a lot of these uh, projects are in remote areas that are underdeveloped. So, well, I'll tell you what, Miles, why don't we leave it there? I appreciate you taking the time to introduce us to the company. And Let's just uh, wrap up here with uh, the final question, as we normally ask, um, you know, for potential investors who are listening in here, Argentina Lithium and Energy has a market capitalization of about 30 million Canadian dollars. Why should the company be considered within the institutional family office and retail investors portfolio? Over the last two years, we've generated excellent projects, really first class projects, which we view as low risk. We're drilling out these projects, demonstrating that the resources on the adjacent project held by world-class producers extend underneath our projects. So we have a, as high certainty as we can produce for our investors that we can generate the types of resources that the market's uh, demanding. And we can get a, a fast track to a production scenario, likely partnering with a production company or a technology company. The market cap, I think uh, our current market valuation, it undervalues the company markedly. I, I don't think people understand how profitable these lithium projects are once they get into production. And so what we're offering to our investors is we're at exploration stage right now. We're achieving the objectives that we set out to achieve. I think that we're gonna be producing two important lithium resources over the next two years. I expect our investors to see a, an important increase in valuation of the company as we get that done. And then we'll carry on to the next phase of how to take these projects into production. And I think that our investors at that point would see a, an increased uh, valuation because these lithium projects, uh, once they go online, they're extremely profitable. They're, they're not gold mines. They're much better than that. Good way to characterize it, especially when you have a good deposit for sure. Miles, best way for interested parties to reach out to the company? I would uh, go to our website. You'll find our investor contact there and uh, lots of information about the projects. The investor contact is Sean Perger. He's happy to take calls or receive emails. He can fill in any details uh, about current exploration activity, our future financings. Uh, he's uh, very interested in receiving uh, calls from interested parties. Miles, well, again, thank you for the time and uh, wishing you guys good luck over there at the company. Thank you. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure.